0: The violent aftermath of a police shooting in Kenosha, Wisconsin, continues to hover over the presidential race. Joe Biden spoke in Pittsburgh Monday. He denounced the chaos that followed protests last week.
1: Rioting
0: is not protesting. Looting is not protesting. Setting fires is not protesting. None of this is protesting. It's lawlessness, plain and simple. Biden's speech was at least partly a response to critics who had called for a forceful denunciation of violence. But then Biden swiveled to assess the president's role in the turmoil. Donald Trump looks at this violence and he sees a political lifeline. President Trump's turn to address the events in Kenosha came Tuesday. He spoke after taking a tour of the city he was surrounded by local officials. Well, thank you very much, everybody, for being here. We he praised the local police chief incredible and incredible. the sheriff. Kenosha has been ravaged by anti-police and anti-American riots. Uh, they have been hit so hard. and uh, He did not mention Jacob Blake, whose shooting by police set off the protests. Trump did not voice support for protesters seeking an end to racism and police brutality. He referred vaguely to police who make bad decisions on the job. And a lot of them can't make that right decision. It's a very tough thing to do. A reporter brought up the nonviolent protests from throughout the summer, pressing for an end to systemic racism. The president insisted the topic of the day was not racism, but violence. Well, you know, you just keep getting back to the opposite subject. We should talk about the kind of violence that we've seen and. You have anarchists, and you have the looters, and you have the rioters, you have all types. You have agitators. And that's what you should be focusing on with your question.
1: Well, what we're seeing is Donald Trump, the incumbent, is trailing in the polls. He has a major issue working against him, which is the coronavirus that has killed so many people, uh, and the attendant economic catastrophe that's resulted from that. Will Salatin is a writer for Slate, And so he's trying to gin up another issue in the form of all this violence in in certain cities uh, that he can use against Biden.
0: Presidents often go places where there's been civil disturbance, natural disasters, unexpected deaths. What's different and what's the same about Donald
1: Trump heading to Kenosha? What's different in this case is, this is not a natural disaster. This is a man-made disaster. It's uh, human beings who are causing the uh, strife and the violence, and the president himself is a factor this time. Presidents don't cause hurricanes, but presidents can contribute to violence by humans against other humans, and that is what this president has done.
0: On today's show, the paradox of President Donald Trump pointing to strife during his presidency and saying, this is the America you'll get with the other guy. I'm Ray Suarez filling in for Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next? Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24/7 seven US-based live customer service, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You wouldn't think a sitting president would seize on social unrest as a reason he should remain in office. But that's the pitch President Trump
1: is making to voters now. This is part of a uh, strategy that the White House has been working on, uh, basically ever since the uh, uprising over the death of George Floyd. Um, There obviously have been protests around racial injustice, and some of those protests have uh, turned into something co-opted, or however you want to put it, but there has been violence around them, looting, arson, and that. The Republicans looked at and realized could be their salvation because the entire Trump reelection strategy was based around a normal incumbent strategy of peace and prosperity and then the virus hit when the virus hit that wiped out the whole Trump plan and at that point the Trump people looked around and asked uh, how can we run in a country that is suffering massive unemployment uh, that is suffering terrible health effects, that is suffering 180,000 deaths. And what they saw was that they could run on this theme of law and order. And so they have been working ever since to try to play up the idea of unrest in this country, violence, and that we need a strong conservative president uh, to control that. And so Kenosha is exactly what they wanted, and they would love to have more Kenosha's if they could get them. In 1968, Richard Nixon
0: ran against disorder. During his various third-party runs, George Wallace ran against disorder. But the thing that they had in common is they weren't incumbents. Is it strange to see an incumbent president
1: running against disorder? It's very strange. Now, it's not strange. It's strange from the standpoint of, as you said, if you look at previous presidents. But if you look at Donald Trump, it's not strange at all because he has never wanted actual responsibility. He is a a politician or a demagogue. He wants to run against an existing government and claim that it is messing everything up and that if he were in power, he would make everything better. And of course, the problem is that he is in power. So uh, it's thoroughly consistent with his strategy. What he desperately needed was to be able to find somebody else whom he could claim was in power. Uh, That is the incumbent. And Donald Trump is the savior running from outside against those people. And the people he has chosen are Democratic mayors, to some extent, Democratic governors, people who... In, as Trump puts it, run these cities where the violence is happening. So he is positioning himself as the outsider who is coming from Washington, from America, to save you from the incumbent mayors of these democratic cities. Are people buying it? Can a sitting president,
0: one who has often insisted on the centrality of himself, the importance of his own Brand and his own presence in the Oval Office, um, his status as the straw that stirs the drink, Uh, can he plausibly run as an outsider from the Oval
1: Office? Well, it's a little crazy <laughs> as you're saying it's it's you're you're asking people to maintain these two thoughts in their mind at the same time one is that donald trump is the president he's leading us he's done all these great things all the great things that happened in the economy for the last three years were his doing and that somehow that magically stopped in january when the coronavirus came in and at that point, everything was the fault of the the opposition party or China. Um, in the case of crime, he's also got to construct this weird sort of spatial relationship where there's Trump's America, where crime has gone down, and then there's this sort of Democrat run, as he puts it, America, or the you know Joe Biden's America. Never mind that during this entire time, Trump is saying that Joe Biden is locked in his basement and is sort of not doing anything, and yet somehow is manipulating crime in this sort of democratic America. Um, will it work? I think, th- I think basically it won't work. There is a little bit of evidence, um, just preliminary evidence that it's not working. Um, there have not been many polls conducted since the Republican convention, but there are a couple. There is a morning consult poll taken in the three days after the convention that showed no net effect in the Trump-Biden race. There was also a ledger or a legere poll, a Canadian poll, but it's a poll of Americans, uh, also taken in the same time frame. They asked people, which leader between Joe Biden and Donald Trump do you think can do a better job of handling? And one of the questions was police and law enforcement. So that is as direct a measure as we have of the effects of the Republican convention on that question. And the answer is Biden leads 44 to 41, um, Americans say they trust Biden uh, to do a better job of handling police and law enforcement.
0: In politics, it's always the case that you've got, in effect, two orbiting bodies, and they can have effects on each other, like almost like uh, gravity, uh, magnetic power, or they can sort of move in isolation to each other. The president has been trying to get Joe Biden to play on his field. And there have been repeated calls from Republican leaders and opinion makers. Why is Joe Biden silent on the violence? Why is Joe Biden allowing this to continue without talking to his people about the violence? Um, Reinforcing that idea that somehow these are the people who are in sympathy with him, who are causing all the trouble. Then the former vice president came out and made a fairly unequivocal statement. He said, rioting is not protesting. Burning down buildings is not protesting. Has he been forced to play Donald Trump's game? Or did he completely sufficiently respond to that original charge that he wasn't saying anything?
1: Well, Biden did a surprisingly good job, from my point of view. I thought that Biden would come out and essentially just play defense, just play the Republican game and say, "Look, I'm you know not a uh, commie sympathizing, uh, anarchist sympathizing, open the jails, uh, leftist." Biden did say he did say what Trump was daring him to say. He said he, he he rejected. He said rioting is not protesting, looting is not setting fires, and he said those who sh- who do it should be prosecuted. Those are Biden's words on Monday. So he did play that defensive game, but he also went right at Trump. First of all, he went right at that contradiction Uh, between Trump saying um, there's this terrible crisis in America of violence and Trump being president at the same time. Biden simply pointed out, Donald Trump is the president. This is happening on his watch. He is contributing to it. And Biden wasn't shy about comparing the crime statistics under the Obama Biden administration to the Trump administration. He said, when I was vice president, violent crime was down 15% under Donald Trump, the murder rate is up. And Biden also escalated this into a much broader attack on Trump, that Trump is a coward. And this is really important because Republicans like to run as what they call the daddy party, the strong party, the party that will fight off the bad guys. And Biden said, Trump doesn't fight off the bad guys. Trump, he wouldn't stand up to his own militia supporters, his, his supporters on the right who are contributing to the violence. He doesn't stand up to Vladimir Putin. Uh, He doesn't even fight the virus, really. So it's a much broader portrayal of Donald Trump as a weakling. It goes right at Trump's strong point.
0: Given the president's established argument about who's causing the violence, what the sources of the violence are, who's countenancing the violence, would it have been risky to be seen to scold people who are on your own side? You know those people who jumped into pickup trucks in Clackamas and rode into Portland with American flags and Donald Trump 2020 flags flying, uh, those are unquestionably his people. He said that paint, shooting paintball at protesters is not a problem, that it was a peaceful protest on the pickup truck crowd's part. Is there a risk in scolding militia members? guys in camo with AR-15s who are going to confront the protesters in places like Minneapolis and Portland and Kenosha and on and on and on.
1: Yeah, well, Ray, this is one of those questions where there's just this weird disjunction between asking it in the context of a normal Republican president and asking it about Donald Trump. I mean, the answer to your question is, a normal republican president would say this is a no-brainer this is just a no-brainer i'm going to be the candidate of the uh the center right the the mainstream right not the crazy right and they would just disown these people and reject them but for trump his base is so far over there and his brand is that he never apologizes so for him there is a risk because the people he's alienating the crazies i mean that's that's if, if he were to reject them, he'd be going right at his own base. And so he didn't. He wouldn't. Is that a trap of his own
0: making or a choice? He didn't condemn, for instance, Kyle Rittenhouse, who killed two people and grievously wounded a third in Kenosha, and he then went on to defend these militiamen. Doesn't he have some wiggle room there? Isn't there a nuanced way of still winking at the guys in the pickup trucks? while doing a sort of bland,
1: presidential, totally conventional condemnation of violence. Oh, absolutely. Now, the question you're asking, is it possible to do that? Absolutely. And another politician would have done that. Um, The question is, can this guy do it? It can be done. Can he do it? And I think the answer is no. Uh, He doesn't temperamentally have the ability to see it the way you're describing uh trump is just viscerally um resistant to any sort of nuance uh on this and and that is a terrible political weakness it's a moral weakness but it's also a political weakness it's like a basketball player if you shade him to his right he can't go left trump cannot distance himself from these people he had a press conference on Monday night. He on Monday evening he could not bring himself on when asked twice. The re, the reporters gave him two two opportunities. One was about the paintballers in Portland. The other was about Kyle Rittenhouse shooting people uh, in Kenosha. And you know, on, and neither question could Trump bring himself to reject uh, the person he saw as supporting him simply because they supported him. A man comes in from out of state with uh, a rifle. He shoots people. Uh, the All Trump hears is that this guy is sort of one of his people and is attacked by the other side. And Trump cannot bring himself to say the words that you correctly identify he should say, um, that he disowns this particular, this extreme level of vigilantism.
0: Salatin says the president hasn't disowned the vigilantism because
1: he thinks It's politically useful. It advantages him because it gives him this alternative crisis to the COVID crisis that he can continue to talk about. And he could make it. uh, I don't. I don't want to say he could make it go away if he dealt with the underlying racial grievances. That would help. I don't expect that of him. But even if he were just to do what Joe Biden has done, if he were to um, come out and say, you know, everybody, calm down. You know, we're going to deal with this. Go home we're gonna deal with this. He, that's of course not the approach he's taken. The approach he's taken is to say every day, uh, the people on the other side from you are dangerous. Uh, we have to stop them, right? Uh, we, we have to you know, act the, and, and the local government is not doing anything. So somebody has to do something. Well, that is exactly what you would say if you wanted a bunch of vigilantes to go into Kenosha or Portland or any other city. Uh, and create more confrontation, which is what has happened. So he is doing what you would logically expect someone to do who had no morals and just wanted to perpetuate the struggle, the strife over, this, o- over race and violence in these cities. Um, I, will it work? Uh, I assume that he will be able to, to keep this going in one city or another for the next two months. I don't think it's enough to get him reelected, but unfortunately, I don't think it can be stopped if the president continues to foment it.
0: One of the hallmarks of this election season has been, well, even really one of the hallmarks of the Trump presidency, really, has been the stability of the polls. People may dismiss the president as erratic and unpredictable. But one thing that's been very predictable and not very erratic at all is his approval rating, which has stayed within a fairly narrow range over three and a half years. What does that tell us
1: about the next 60 days? I think it's encouraging because it's negative and uh, the the approval rating is negative. Uh, He has a very high, pretty high disapproval rating, uh, enough to lose the election. And he he needs things to change. It's like watching a sports contest where, you know, you're going. This team is going to lose unless they can do something dramatic to shake things up. Uh, and their inability to do so uh, so far uh, bodes ill for them. Uh, the the this violence that Trump is trying to stoke, it's not that this is necessarily going to work. It's that nothing else is working. Uh, They've tried everything on Biden. They tried to sort of paint him as a radical leftist. They tried to go after his son in Ukraine. Uh, They tried to tie him to China. They've done all this. They've done focus groups. Nothing that they've used against Biden has worked. So this attack uh, based on crime in the cities, this attempt by the Republicans to scare you about crime and people who don't look like you um, is a residual effect of Trump's failure to move the polls. Will Salatin writes
0: about politics, science, technology, for Slate. And he's the author of Bearing Right. And it's always a pleasure to talk to you, Will. Ray, thank you so much. This was great. That's the show. What Next is produced by Danielle Hewitt, Jason DeLeon, Mary Wilson, and Elena Schwartz. We're led by Allison Benedict and Alicia Montgomery. I'm Ray Suarez. Filling in for Mary Harris. I'll be back tomorrow.